Brace yourself and buckle up. You are about to hear a life-changing, history-making, world-defining message from the New Birth Podcast. Tell everybody you know, things will never be the same. 1 Samuel 17. We've been uh, in a series called Extra. We've been in a series called Extra. And I'm believing that that's what God is going to release into the life of every believer. Everybody shout extra, extra. Amen. 1 Samuel 17 verse 40. Those of you who are online, if you've not yet made your commitment uh, to our over and above giving, ask that you will please do that. Uh, we're endeavoring and we're believing by faith. Not only are we going to meet the goal, but we're going to exceed it of $1 million above our tithes and offerings uh, on uh, November the 12th. If you've not uh, made a covenant commitment, ask that you'll do so. First Samuel 17, verse 40. Once you found it, once you say, I got it. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Would you arm yourself with a writing instrument or ask that you'll go to the note-taking section of your smartphone, of your device, uh, of your tablet. I want to uh, preach for a little while today using as a subject, I am more than prepared. I am more than prepared. Would you look at the person beside you and tell him, he talking about me. He talking about Amen. I'm more than prepared. If you know that as your own witness, would you shout that out loud? I'm more than prepared. The mantra for uh, my middle school, Mount Royal Elementary Middle School in Baltimore, Maryland, corner of McMechan and John Street, PS 66. Our uh, mantra for our middle school was proper preparation prevents poor performance. I want you to say that out loud. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Come on, won't you get that in your spirit? Every person, would you resoundingly declare that out loud? Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Unfortunately, many who complete college are not as equipped as the adolescents who went to my middle school because they confuse experience with expertise. As a consequence, they don't prepare because they can feel as if they can rely on what they've already done. Benjamin Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. In Venus Williams' book, Come to Win, she asserts that you must be as passionate about preparing as you are about performing. 
You've got to be as passionate about preparing as you are about performing. John Eads, the business coach, shared an article on LinkedIn that there are four different ways leaders demonstrate preparation. Four different ways that leaders demonstrate preparation. I want to send you that article about four different ways that leaders demonstrate preparation. I want you to text NB Notes to 54244. Text NB Notes to 54244. I want you to share that article with those who you work with on your job. I want you to give it to your young people and to your students, to those who you care about, uh, four different ways leaders demonstrate preparation. Again, you're texting NB notes to 54244. The first one, hear this, the first one is the oblivious zone. The oblivious zone which is what happens when you operate by accident and not by intention. Those in this space depend, hear this, on other people's work ethic. They lean on other people's information. They give very little contribution but coast on their charisma. They believe that their charm will compensate for their lack of content. What is dangerous is they don't even realize that they are a detriment. I was never a great student in high school. Never was I a great student. And I'm telling you what I loved the most was group projects. I love group projects because I knew I could depend on the other people in the group to produce what was needed and necessary and they would designate me to be the spokesperson for the group knowing I had done none of the work. You got to be careful of people who will take credit for your contribution. They don't want to make any sacrifice. They don't want to participate in any labor, but they always want the recognition and always want to be honored. Some of y'all ought to be clapping because right now you know you're doing your manager's job. You are doing your supervisor's responsibility, and yet they are threatened by your existence. It is the oblivious zone. Uh, the second is the overvalue zone. The overvalue value zone. It is when you put all of your confidence in what you have known that you leave no room to learn anything new. You have got to be careful because I'm not even talking about the people you work with. I'm talking about the people you worship with. Because of what they have known about God, they are not receptive to new revelations about who God is. Ladies and gentlemen, I am telling you that Abraham almost became a convicted felon for murder. Because God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac and had he gone on what God said, he would have missed the ram in the bush. 
I'm telling you, you got to be available for new downloads about what God is saying about your life, what he is saying about your experience, and what he is saying about your destiny. What applied for June has no credence in November. How many of you know that God will speak something new even to an old situation? Is the overvalue zone. Thirdly, I want you to write this down, is the optimum zone. The optimum zone. Which is when you show up, hear this, over-prepared and ready to perform. Over-prepared and ready to perform. You give no thought to what happened prior because you are fully engaged in what is happening in the present. Athletes will call this getting in the zone. That I've got to get out of my head the highlight tapes of last week's game. And I've got to be mindful of what is getting ready to happen when I get out of the huddle. Is what Luther Vandross called here and now. Uh, you you got to get in the zone. Uh, be prepared of what's going to happen this week has nothing to do with what happened last week. Would you just elbow your neighbor, tell him I'm in the zone right now. I, I, I am not here for trivialities. I'm not here for pettiness. I'm not here for gossip. I'm not here for small-minded thinking. I'm in the zone because God has shown me some stuff that I've got to accomplish, that I've got to do, that I've got to conquer, and it don't matter to me what you're talking about if it don't line up with what God has said to me. Somebody shout out loud, I'm in my zone. And then fourthly, hear this, fourthly is the overthink zone. The overthink zone. It is when you arrive, you ain't going to believe it because I'm talking about you, is when you arrive over prepared. Why? I'm talking to just a small group of us who are overthinkers. You overanalyze and you create outcomes, here it is, that match scenarios that have not even happened. You are ready for whatever is thrown your way, even when you the one that's got the ball. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You overanalyze. You were thinking about the worst case scenario, even when God's got you in the best possible situation. Blink at me twice if you are an overthinker. You are in the bed, and all of a sudden you wake up thinking about what somebody said two weeks ago, and you connecting the dots as to why this don't make sense. You are not a detective but you have launched your own investigation you don't put yellow tape around Negroes you know that they are guilty you are the judge you are the jury you are the prosecution why because you are a self-admitted overthinker listen to me it is only I want you to write this down it's gonna help you it's gonna free somebody only overthinkers can be overprepared. Better say that again. Only overthinkers are overprepared. Ladies and gentlemen, as a self aware overthinker, misery loves company. 
So I want you to know that I was naturally drawn to David, who shares the characteristics of an overthinker. Those of you who graduated summa cum laude from uh, Sunday school, you are mindful of the story of David and Goliath. Those of you who had perfect attendance for vacation Bible school, you know of the story of David and Goliath. But there are some blues clues that are nestled in the text that I think that you have hopscotch over that give us a clear indication that David is an overthinker. I want to show it to you that for 40 days, Goliath has been taunting the children of Israel. For 40 days, he has been making a mockery of them. And David's father doesn't feel confident that David has what it takes to be in the army. We got no evidence that David was ever in ROTC. We have never seen David run a mile. I got no evidence that David knows how to do a, a perfect and appropriate push-up. So as a consequence, all of David's brothers are in the army. All of David's brothers are in the army, uh, but David is at home. David's father gives him a part-time job with Uber Eats. And tell him, take these cheese sandwiches down to where your brothers are and begin, watch this, to check on them and give an evaluation. For 40 days, Goliath is taunting, I need you to hear this, for 40 days, Goliath is taunting David's brothers, but never says anything to David. I cannot find one scripture where Goliath ever spoke to David. He spoke to David's brothers. But because David is an overthinker, he makes up in his mind that if the enemy is messing with my brothers today, then he's going to come after me on tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you got to go to war when it ain't even your battle. You, you got to let the enemy know if you come for any of my family members, I take it personally. I got the wrong church in here today. Some of y'all need to be going to war because the enemy is trying to snatch members of your family. And if he is successful at getting them, he's coming after you next. But those of you that believe by the grace of God, I am getting ready to snatch family members out of the clutches of the adversary. This ain't the time for you to be cute. Would you do me a favor? Would you go to war for your sister that's depressed? Go to war for your brother that can't find a job? Would you go to war for siblings that don't go to church anymore? The enemy thinks if he gets your family members today, he's gonna destroy you tomorrow over my dead body. You will not have my children. You will not have my sibling. You will not have my cousins. For God I live. I'm overthinking that if he thinks he can get my family members, he'll believe that I am next on the chopping block. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to show you something that's so incredible is that the father says to David, go to your brothers and drop off these sandwiches. Amazingly, you ought to note that David has never been to the Valley of Elah, but he knows how to get there without Google Maps. 
he, he, he knows how to get there without a GPS system. I want you to lift up your hands. I want to show you what I heard God say in prayer this week, that God is going to show you, I hope you'll shout about it, he's going to show you how to reach family members. That, that there have been people who it has been hard for you to communicate with, hard for you to relate to. Y'all ain't saying nothing. As soon as y'all have a discussion, it escalates into an argument. But God says between now and Thanksgiving, I am going to give you the blueprint on how it is you're going to relate to family members. Here's your shout that don't even speak to you. Family members who have been distant. Family members that have been holding a grudge with you. You got no idea God going to show you how to reach them. And those of you that need that kind of oil, would you just worship God that God is a God of reconciliation, that God is a God of healing. I don't care whether it is with a spouse or an offspring. God can bring family members together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's bringing your son back to you. Hallelujah. I can't hear nobody. I better say it for somebody. He's bringing your daughter back to you. I can't believe y'all ain't gonna shout about it. The sister you ain't spoken to in years is getting ready to knock on your door. I declare and decree God is healing marriages in this moment. Watch God pull it together. The responsibility, the responsibility David had was to bring his brother's sandwiches and to check on them. And as soon as the brothers see him on sight, they got an attitude. They mad at David as soon as he shows up. He's there to bring them food, to check on them for the father. But as soon as they see him, they get angry. What you doing here? You never notice in all this time that David brings them food on the battleground and not one brother ever says thank you. God, I can't hear nobody. There are those of you in this room who are built different that you don't need other people's affirmation to have a pure heart because they don't understand. I didn't do it for the accolades. I didn't do it to get my name called. I did it because I wanted to see you do well. Everything in me told me not to give you the money. Everything in me told me not to help you. But there's a wiring in me that wants to see you get to your next level. They don't even understand that the way you were built, that you were prepared to be taken for granted. You were prepared to be undervalued. You were prepared not to be celebrated. Deion Sanders said, my whole life people were booing me, but I knew how to run anyway. 
And I'm talking to some people this morning who never had a strong support system. Never grew up with affirmation and words of encouragement. But every day you pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Cause you know that there's a call on your life that is greater than other people's opinion. If I was left to what my family thought, I'd be on the side of the road. But his grace and his mercy. I understand. I'm prepared not to be appreciated. I'm prepared not to be valued. I'm prepared not to be honored because I know, watch this, that the Father sent me. Ladies and gentlemen, Saul, who is the president at the time, hears that there's a young lad that wants to go into battle and says, um, since nobody else will go, let me put my armor on him. And I like uh, the tenacity of David is that even though they put the armor on him, he says, take it off me. It doesn't fit, watch this, who I am. This ain't for everybody. Most of y'all shouldn't be shouting. But I need those of you who are confident enough to be yourself even when it don't fit in with what other people are doing. I ain't gotta dress like y'all. I ain't gotta hang out with y'all. I ain't gotta do what you like. I am not living to please you. When I looked in the mirror this morning, I knew I had it going on. If you don't like what I got on, get over it. I am comfortable in my own skin. It is, um, is, um, Sean, the old book we read, it is the carriage to be. Uh, look at your neighbor, tell him, I am fine in my own skin. Flaws and all, I am still the ball. I didn't gain weight, but I'm still turning heads. Y'all ain't saying nothing. This ain't even the kind of car I drive, but folks still are jealous of me because can't nobody beat me being me. If I had to do it all over again, I'd still want to be myself. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord, you may be seated. Thank you for letting me be myself. Come on, I can't hear nobody in here. I'm tired of fitting in your box and living up to your standard. I'm just glad to be myself. Be myself. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, he, um, he takes off Saul's armor and um, he does something that is uh, a little off-putting. 
he pulls out uh, a slingshot. And the people, hear this, believe he is unprepared. And David got to run his resume. Said, I done beat a lion before. I done handled a tiger before. God help me, and I did it both with my bare hands. See, there's some folk around you who don't know the fight you have had. And the reason why they don't know the fight you have had is because you don't even look like you've been in a fight. But I need those of y'all in this room that know all my life I had to fight, but I still keep getting back up again. He said, I fought a lion and a tiger with my bare hands. Here is the problem, is that in all of his previous fights, you're gonna be mad that you didn't see this. When he fought the lion, when he fought the tiger, listen to me, in all of his previous fights, he used his hands. Watch me. He had never, never fought with a slingshot. God, y'all don't like this. Had he brought to the battle his past experience and thought he could use in the last fight. God, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Goliath would have snatched him up, but he was prepared for a new position because I can't take old equipment into a new battle because this requires a different level of preparation. Pulls out a slingshot and he goes down to the brook. And when he goes down to the brook, this is where we get confirmation that David is an overthinker. Um, I know you've been trying to figure out where I'm going. I'm going to take you there. I give you evidence that uh, David is an overthinker because he's getting ready to fight for God. He's about to fight for God's people. Hear this. And when he gets down to the brook, y'all ain't going to believe what happens. He picks up five stones. It's evidence of an overthinker. God. Pastor, what are you saying to me? If David, if you got confidence that God is going to fight the battle for you, why do you need more than just one rock? God, help me. You got to believe that that one rock is going to wipe your enemy out. But David is an overthinker. He says, I need to get four rocks, four more rocks outside of that one. Why, Pastor? Uh, because I found out in 2 uh, Samuel that Goliath has four brothers. Oh, my God. So I need some rocks in case they come after me after this battle is over. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. He says, I am in a valley. I am not on a plain because I am in a valley, watch this, between two mountains. The wind is prone to swirl. 
so I don't want to take the risk that when I throw my rock the wind will throw the stone off kilter y'all ain't saying nothing he said Jamal tell Newbirth I needed extra rocks because I didn't know whether once I defeated Goliath if the rest of the Philistines would try to fight me y'all still ain't saying nothing in here so David took the five rocks walked down to the valley wound up his slingshot y'all ain't gonna believe what happens next and he knocks out Goliath using just one rock he only had one shot y'all ain't saying nothing because every area of Goliath's body had armor on it but his head he said when I hit Goliath I gotta blow his brains out so he won't think about messing with me again God said when you get your next blessing it's gonna blow your enemies head they not gonna believe you driving like that you not gonna believe you got fight like that I got good news for you. I got good news for you. Goliath's four brothers never show up. I got good news for you. The Philistine army never launches an attack against David. I got good news for you. That with the one shot, he made it with just one sling. Pastor, what are you saying to me? I hope 50 of y'all are tapped this church. God said for the rest of this year, you ain't going to have to use your extra. That whatever it is that you have, you're going to be able to hold on to it. Why am I shouting? Because God said you ain't going to have to live off of your savings. You ain't going to have to open your 401k. You ain't going to need nothing from anybody. Everything you need. Here it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at the person beside you. Tell them I'm going to hold on to my extra. I got to show you something. My time is almost over, but I got to show you something. After David comes out of that field, after he destroys Goliath, Um, He never has to fight one-on-one again. Every time he fights after that, he's got an army on his behalf. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. God told me to tell you, your last fight was your last fight by yourself. I'm raising up for you some backup. Some of y'all don't know when to shout. I don't want you to shout for yourself. I want you to shout for your neighbor's fight to let them know I got you in this. You ain't got to deal with this all by yourself. Oh my God. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. I need you to have your neighbor's hand in your hand. I'm almost finished. I just got one last point and I'm I'm getting out of here. I need somebody's hand in your hand. 
Look at your neighbor and say, what you going to do with your extra? Somebody's hand is in your hand. God said, you ain't going to have to fight by yourself. I'm raising up people to fight for you. God, I can't hear nobody in here. I'm raising up folk that's going to have your back. I'm raising up folk that got your best interests at heart. I'm, I'm raising up people who are going to destroy your giant. Somebody's hand is in your hand. You're getting ready to help fight somebody else's giant. You're going to fight somebody else's demon. You're going to fight somebody else's battle. Ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I preached this week uh, Wednesday in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thursday, I preached in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Friday, um, I preached in Memphis. So I, uh, I ain't got all my voice with me today. Um, I ain't got all my strength with me today. And I, uh, I've been privileged. I've been privileged. My uh, father, Bishop John Bryan, is in town preaching today at another church. Been privileged to preach with him. Been privileged um, preach with Bishop Jakes uh, there's only one person that I uh, that I regret I never had the opportunity to preach with there's only one person and uh, only one person I wish I had the opportunity to preach with and God woke me up in Memphis I said Jamal I'm going to let him close out the sermon for you because you ain't got the strength to do it. Yeah. Says, I'm going to let him finish the sermon. And uh, then you just close it out. With the strength you got left. Yeah. I'd like to introduce to you the person who's going to help me preach. The last point of this message. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, but the earth can't forget him. Vincent, if you'll bring my guest preacher on for me, please. Thank you. This thing, I'm going to fight. And I want you to know one other thing. I feel like David against Goliath. But I got five rocks, and I haven't thrown one yet. I want you to know, new birth, we ain't thrown our rock yet. But if God be God, I need somebody to open up your mouth like the devil is defeated. If God be God. I only got, only got five. And I've not thrown my rock yet. I want you to lift your hand because you get ready to throw your rock. Here it is. You ready to throw your rock? 
because the world was hoping you'd never throw it. It took 13 years. God, I can't hear nobody. It took 13 years and the army did not rise up. But I want Bishop Long to know that new birth is about to throw a rock in the earth. I can't hear nobody that when we open up our mouth, every principality that thought it was going to destroy this ministry, every bank that thought it was going to shut this down, every person that spit new birth out of your mouth, that giant is getting ready to fall. But I need 30 seconds of worshipers in this room that know if God be for you, I can't hear nobody. If God. I hope you are energized that you don't need an energy drink. What you just heard should have you off and running, chasing your dreams, pursuing your purpose, and answering your call. If this was a blessing, share it with somebody else. Don't be selfish. This is what God gave you so that you can be a blessing to somebody who needs it worse.